0: This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office
1: of Career Planning and Professional Development. My name is Sheehan and I'm a chemistry PhD student at the Graduate Center. Today I'm interviewing Kishore Gangangari, who graduated in the chemistry program from the Graduate Center in 2019. Currently, he's a life sciences consultant at Charles Rivers Associates. Okay,
0: so what is your name and what do you do for a living? Hi, I'm Kishore, Kishore Gangangari. Currently, I work as a life science consultant with Charles Rivers Associates. CRA is a leading global consulting firm that offers multiple types of consulting services, including financial economics, and I am in their life sciences department. Okay. What is your academic background? I finished my PhD, graduated very recently in February 2019, but I started working October 2018 on CPT, which we can come back to later. Before that, I got my master's in chemistry from Long Island University in 2013. Even prior to that, I was getting a bachelor's in pharmacy, pharmaceutical sciences in India. So this was all related to my passion with sciences while I was growing up, to know how things work, how medicines affect the body very precisely. So that's where the pharmaceutical sciences started, that got me into chemistry. And then I started in graduate school for organic chemistry, and now deep diving into more pharma businesses. As
1: part of your work as a life science consultant? Yes. Let's talk about scientific consulting, because I feel like a lot of PhD students know that scientific consulting is a career path, but Mm -hmm. don't
0: exactly know what it entails. So what do you have to say about that? So scientific consulting is like not anything different from just you being a scientist and advising others on how to do stuff, how to solve their problems with an external view. A lot of times when you go for a company or when a company comes to you, it is not because they don't have expertise. Like they know exactly what their product is. They know what they're selling. They have very good marketing teams. They have, they have like very deep thinkers. But the reason why they go to a consulting firm is they generally either don't have bandwidth of resources to get it done or they generally want an external perspective. What these companies have is generally, oh, I want to go to maybe this market, like what does this market look like? Can you tell me more about it? I'm trying to invest in this particular disease area. What is growth options? What are not growth options? Should I even go for it or not? Essentially for us in life science consulting, these questions are all the ones that come to us from companies which are either small Pharmas, medium pharmas, like very large pharmas, they all have their expert panels and people that are coming to us to ask us questions, and then we try to give them as comprehensive of an answer as possible. Okay. So you mentioned most of your clientele
1: are small or big pharmacies or people associated with the drug-creating mm-hmm. and delivery industry. Right. Is this typical of all your clients? How would you describe your typical client?
0: So the typical client, there's none. But the entire pharma is our client. We start, we interact with each and every function of the pharma industry. There is a medical component of that, right? Where you have medical science liaisons who are like trying to get the drugs out. There's a commercial part of the company where they're trying to commercialize the product. Of course, there are multiple other parts, but these are generally the parts that are trying to move the business forward, right? So we are answering the business question. So the client could be any of them that is asking a question. We could also, we also do a lot of analytics. So there's just a lot of forecasting. So that could come from somebody who's a scientific advisor at a company or scientific officer, CSO of a company. There's no fixed client. Any part of the company could be our client. On that same note,
1: if there is no uniformity in your client, it seems like the work you do is also non-uniform. Definitely
0: not. <laughs> that, that is something I love about the consulting firm mm-hmm. is that you get to wear so many hats on your day-to-day basis. At this moment, if I have to think about the kinds of projects that I'm working on, I'm doing one analytics project where we are trying to forecast a market area for some company, a specific company. In one of the other ones, we are trying to develop a strategy for a drug that is still in clinical phases. And we are trying to see how they should go into the market in like three or four years. And the other one is already launching in like six months. And we are Mm -hmm. trying to give them details on how to do that. Difference in the work is like amazing. And if you are one of those people for whom like novelty excites you, this is one of the best places to be. So it sounds like that aspect of it—the novelty—is what
1: really excites you about consultancy. Sure. Is there anything you find particularly challenging or difficult about consultancy in your? Oh, of course, experience? of
0: course, of course. Consulting is definitely one of the not so easy jobs to do as like it's very demanding that is that is what it is like you travel frequently f- from a client side to the other client side you're constantly developing decks and if you're one of these people who are like oh i'm not i cannot work more than eight hours consulting is definitely not for you like it's it's, it's definitely a very demanding job it's not always demanding right? but there are some times that you have to push through and you have to get the job done, and that is what your job is. You know How much ever stressed you might be, you always have to be that people's person with whom the clients can feel comfortable and those who can talk to you about their stuff. And they still have to believe that you are able to do the job despite everything else that is going on in your life. So now let's move on to the relationship
1: between your actual PhD work and the job you're in right now. First of all, did you always know you wanted to work as a sound consultant? Or no. did you want to be in academia first? What was that yeah. process of that, going from your PhD to where you are now?
0: Sure, that's an interesting question. As I was going into PhD, I always wanted to be a professor or a scientist. Like, that's exactly what I wanted to be. But then... I was also one of these people, like who was like trying to get onto like every opportunity that you could find. So I started as an organic chemistry major. I cleared all the cumes. I did everything that was uh, that I had to do. But at that time, one of the professors for whom I had John the college was leaving. So I was trying to find other alternative resources. Then I find this radiochemistry. And that was really mind-blowing for me. It's like, oh, this is a new cool science that I've never done. Mm -hmm. So I joined the radiochemistry part of the chemistry department. And I started working between Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center Mm -hmm as a radiochemist, and also at Hunter College. So I had like two co-advisors and that was also very exciting. And good thing about like being at an external forum or like an external scientific institute like MSKCC is that you get to explore so many other things and you find that it is not just academia that is in front of you. So then I started going to their fairs, career fairs. So there were like scientists coming in to give their talks there were uh, biotech company people they were doing it and there were like also there was a consulting club which i just joined when i was in there i got to know a lot of people and i tried following them on professional le- networks on where they're going what they're doing and how they're doing it And that's how I was like, oh, these people are getting the same degrees and using it in a different way. They're moving at a much faster pace. And also at the same time, I was like, oh, you can apply your degree in various other ways. Yeah, so it is not that the degree is not only applicable to become a scientist or a professor. That is what was like turning point for me to get into consulting. There are multiple things that I have to do to get to where I was. And Not always, I never thought like I was going to be a consultant when I started my PhD program. I was always keeping an eye open for what else is happening, not just being entirely focused on the science that I was doing. That was very exciting as well. That's actually a good transition point. So
1: it sounds like you don't do a lot of bench science anymore. Yes. What skills from your PhD did actually help you or are helping you right now in your job?
0: That's that's a very interesting question because that is something that you have to think of even before you go towards consulting. Is like you have to have a clear idea of why you want to get into consulting. You have spent decent amount of time getting a PhD degree and then you have to decide on why you want to get into a career which is outside of being a scientist or bench science. So when you're going through a PhD program, you are running your own project you're designing your own project you know what timeline that you want to happen that to happen in you are thinking critically even before you get into a project on various steps that might go wrong and you're already making a plan b for if it goes wrong so this is what will happen in that time and you're also analyzing the results as soon as they get to you right so you're like doing so many analyses at the same time finally you're making a presentation of everything that you're doing and that spans maybe a year right if you condense all of that into two months that is exactly what a consulting would be so you go in a uh, company like company A comes with oh we want to know how this message is working for uh, patients. So we run a message board for them in two months. Like we hire respondents. They could be like patients. They could be uh, physicians. They could be caregivers. Like whoever they want to know if the message is working or not. You develop the entire timeline on how that is going to work. You do the work. You conduct the interviews or you do analysis or you do everything. And then you finally, you make a presentation and that, happens in like two months or two and a half months. This is applicable to everything, and that's what I think is very important. The skills that you learn in a PhD are time management, critical thinking, sticking to deadlines is one more thing. I think those would be the important things. One thing that we don't get during our PhDs, and that must be developed before you go into consulting, is the interpersonal skills. When you go into for a consulting or any kind of an interview, they already know you're smart. There is no doubt that you're not smart. You've got a PhD during this time. You're definitely going to be smart. But can you work with other people? Can you work in teams? That is one thing that we all have to develop is develop that interpersonal skills and develop those connections. Get out of a comfort zone of being in the corner wearing those headsets and working all night through. Do that but also try to mingle with
1: people. Something that listening to you made me curious about is one thing you do as a STEM PhD is talk about your work to other scientists and other people. Obviously, you have to communicate a lot as a science consultant, but is there a gap? In the type of communication that you would communicate, for example, to your group members during a lab meeting, Mm -hmm. versus your communication to one of your clients or whoever you know is interested in what you're doing.
0: Yes, there is, and that is the skill that you have to develop. Generally, that happens after you go into consulting. How to rephrase the sentences to make them understandable. So all the clients, they are not on the same page as you are with your lab members, as as your boss might be, as your PI might be. So they might be coming into this completely with new eyes. You have to break it apart, the concept. You have to break the concept apart and you have to make it digestible. You always cannot say things in a very harsh manner. If something does not work, hey, we don't think this is a good idea to go. There has to be a certain way of how you say it. And whenever you say it, you have to have a real strong backing of facts behind what you're actually saying and why you're saying it. So break it down into smaller parts and polish the words that you say. I think those are the differences when you're talking to your lab members versus a client. On a similar note, it sounds like you talk a lot about
1: marketing decisions or business decisions related to scientific products such as drugs or pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are these conversations that you have largely scientific or did you have to kind of develop a way of marketing speaks, so to say, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, de- it definitely makes sense. Everything that you say is based on facts. Mm -hmm. and the facts are scientific. There is always this component of everything that you're saying in life science consulting is fact-based, and that is also like one of the major uh, selling points of Charles River Associates is that it was established by PhDs, and it still works in the same way. Major decisions that you're telling are all backed by scientific terms. At the same time, because your goal is for your client's business to flourish there has to be a particular lingo that you generally develop you don't come in with it but we all develop it that business communication we can move on to how you actually chose this job
1: and how you found it so we talked briefly about how you you came across consulting as a career what did the job search process in the end stages look like for you I guess the better question to begin with is when did you start thinking about careers Mm -hmm. and more specifically when did you start thinking about a career as a consultant?
0: Right so I was in my third year of PhD when I started thinking about various other options which are available about what I want to do next what are the possible options that is when consulting also came in. Uh, I also was this is not the only thing that I was looking into. I was also looking into venture capital. I was also looking into being a postdoc, for both of which, at least for the postdoc position, I did a rotation in a different lab for three months in a different country. I was also like interviewing for venture capital firms. I got a couple of uh, offers from there as well. And there was also a medical writing interview that I attended. But the consulting is something that captured my mind even starting my third year. I went into this consulting club. I started doing cases. So it's business cases is something that you have to practice even before you go. So you join the consulting club. You start doing these cases. You meet other consultants. Sometimes you get in touch with other clubs. There are case competitions that happen. And then I also did like a pro bono consulting for one of the firms here in New York, which I had a real client, a real business case question. After doing all that things, I was like, hmm, it seems like there is a possibility that I'm going to like it. So I started applying for various summer internship programs. That's that's how the people do it. Summer internships is where you start applying. I applied for the big three and I applied for the other smaller consulting firms, but I did not get in. Any of them. Yeah, I applied for McKinsey's program. I did for BCG. I applied for Bain. I applied for ZS during my fourth year. No, nobody got in touch with me or like nobody called me for, back for an interview. Mm-hmm. And then I started applying for the other boutique firms. I got a couple of interviews back. And then when I was in my fifth year, I, I was almost ready to defend. Mm-hmm. Then I got into like Charles Rivers Associates for first round interview and their second round interview. That is how the general process for anyone who is trying to get into the consulting is going to be. There's always a first round of interview where they're going to be like, oh, this if he's a weirdo, we're not even going to hire him, right? <laughs> so you have to get through that first phone call interview stage. And then after that, you have case interview. Where they give you a hypothetical case that they'll ask you to think through it, and they're trying to see how critically you can think. After that, you have a fit interview. A fit interview is where they are trying to see if you are going to be a good fit for the company. Do you have the skills that are needed for you to work in teams to cope with the pressure that is going to come and so on and so forth. And then you have a presentation after everything is done. If you clear all these rounds of interviews, you become a consultant. How do you want to prepare for all this, right? Mm -hmm. You generally start early. And one major advice that I have for every Everybody who's looking for jobs, it's never too early to start looking for jobs. Even if you don't start applying, keep an eye on what the requirements are for a particular job. Like whenever they publish a job, they have requirements and stuff. So make sure that you are trying to get a story for each of their requirements. It might be through internships. It might be through externships. It might be from participating in various doctoral councils it could be a pro bono consulting, it could be anything, internships, extensions. Try to get as many of them under your sleeve during your PhD years. And those things take time. Even though Consulting League does not have any courses that you can take, there are plenty of books that you can read about how the consultants work. There are plenty of videos online that you could watch. There are plenty of podcasts that are happening right up as now as of now <laughs> yeah, this and then, is of <laughs> and this is one of them yes and i, I totally agree and then then the, there are like websites of each companies go through each company's website see what they're asking for what skills they're needing once you have done that the major interview part like major thing that will get you through the interviews is the information interviews informational interviews Information interviews are the part where you get in touch with somebody from the company. It is generally through cold calls or LinkedIn. This is not only just for consulting, but any job that you want to do, you must do some informational interviews with people at your prospective employer. You'll start realizing that as we go further, there are the recommendations to get into the company that when you know somebody inside the company, that'll go very far than just submitting blank resumes or blank cover letters. Be mindful of that. Find an ally for you, find the advocate for you inside the company, have as many inter- information interviews with as many people as possible. This is like not a Bible of how you work in repair, <laughs> but that is also a very important part of you being a consultant, to be able to find information. Finding information about the job is, I think, the first part. Do all these things and do more. <laughs> so you mentioned the importance
1: of having a contact, and basically that networking will go a long way in terms of helping you get a foot in the door. Can you talk about any important mentors, any relationships, or any other types of
0: networking opportunities that helped you during your career transition? Sure, sure. So as I said, there were like plenty of alumni from the consulting clubs that I was going to. Other than that, I was always in touch with them to see where they're going. One thing that you have to understand is what people will do for you when you have this contacts. The best is that they'll get you an interview. That is where you have to prove yourself. That's where, so first round is done, second round is done, third round is done. So they can get you a foot into the door, but they're not going to open the door for you. That's, that's something that a lot of people get wrong with. People are going to to give you a job no it's that's not how it works people are giving going to give you an opportunity to prove yourself that a lot of people don't get so i had very good mentors People from uh, career development offices, both here at the Graduate Center and at MSKCC, with whom I could just drop in and ask questions. I came into Graduate Center for like multiple resume reviews. Mm -hmm. Every time I came in, there was something new and there was something different that I could have done. I think that reiteration process also helped me a lot. Coming to other mentors... Other than the people who got jobs, people who are also in science, that also helped me a lot by hooking me up with their friends in pharma companies where you could just go talk to them about how their careers are happening, where they see their futures going and so on and so forth. So, yes, having a mentor, having somebody to look up to, having somebody, somebody to know more about how the information I Company actually works is definitely needed. Basically, to
1: synthesize everything you said about the job search: start early. Yes. So you started in your third year, which is, I would say, pretty early. Take advantage of all the resources that you have at your disposal. So the graduate center obviously has a lot of workshops mm-hmm. and events. Cold calling, or basically any way to gather information about requirements. Right. Networking, if you want Networking, to call it that. Right. But yeah, that's. pretty much a very basic work through. Sure. Networking, yeah.
0: So one thing I want all our listeners to understand is you're not asking anybody for something they're not willing to do. All you're trying to do is trying to get to somebody, ask for help. Not a bad thing. If you cannot ask for help, consulting is going to be a very difficult job for you. Mm -hmm. So all you're trying to do while networking is like you're trying to ask for help. The ball is in their court now. Like if they want to help you, they'll help you. If they can not, you have to understand that they are very busy on the other side as well. Sometimes they cannot. Either case, you have done your part. If they cannot do your part, like move on, find somebody else. There are many people who are willing to help. Please network, be as social as possible. That'll get you very far.
1: How did you choose your current firm compared to other firms? So why did you choose Charles River Associates? Mm-hmm. Or what are things to look out for when exploring the realm of consulting
0: firms? Right. The reason why I went to Charles River Associates was because of one of the contacts that I had mm-hmm. or I have in the company. I went for an inter- informational interview with her one day. We were just hanging out for a coffee. I sneakily pulled out my <laughs> resume that I had got for that. And, and she helped me to see how to actually frame that resume for that particular job at that particular firm. I submitted that. I got through the first round, second round. And then I defended my thesis. I did not know that I was going to get the job. I was going through the process. I was also going through the process with various, various other companies at the same time. As soon as I defended my thesis, I was called for an on-site for the next two rounds of interviews. And I went there. And then within a week, I got a call from the company. I went in again to meet the people. I went to see, oh, how the company culture is, like how they're doing. One of the best things that I liked about this company is that uh, most of the clients were local, meaning that you could just be traveling to a client site during the day and be back instead of other major firms where you have to be on site Monday through Thursday and only be back in your city on Fridays. So this was less travel intensive and all the people that I talked to, they all knew where a PhD would come from because it is such a PhD-heavy firm. Nobody wanted you to fail. That's what I thought was most impressive fact about the company. And compensation and the benefits were also very good. All that is what I thought, like, oh, this is a great camaraderie that is going on in the firm. Everybody seems to be chill. People know where you're coming from.
1: The summary just sounds like got your foot in the door with the network. Mm-hmm. You went to the office just to check it out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you really liked the physical office after yep. the first round of interviews, the people mm-hmm. you worked with,
0: and especially the fact that it was a PhD holder driven firm. And very helpful people. Like mm-hmm. That's also uh, being there for one year now. That is what I've also learned. It, it doesn't mean that they're going to hold your hand all, right. all the way through, <laughs> but you know, they'll guide you through. So one aspect of consultancy, you mentioned specifically that the benefit of working in
1: New York City is that a lot of your clients are in New York City. Can you speak to the
0: traveling intensity as a consultant? So they're not all in New York. They are like in New Jersey, South New Jersey, or Philadelphia, Boston, or like everything is manageable within within like manageable firms. And there are some projects which require you to be clients on site for four days a week, which I have never had to the the most I had to do is go for first to know the project and maybe once to meet with the clients again and to deliver the project. That maybe three times during three months, right? So sometimes it got, it might get more hectic. But with CRA having so many offices everywhere, so we have multiple offices. We have like one in New Jersey, we have one in New York, Boston, San Francisco, and Chicago. Like we there are multiple in US. There are multiple in Europe, so there's London, Cambridge, Munich, Lucerne, these are the main life science ones. The projects can be managed and staffed according to the needs, so that nobody has to travel a lot. With our firm, it's very manageable, and a lot of people don't
1: travel at all. Now I just want to ask a few miscellaneous questions. So you mentioned that you actually got your bachelor's from India. Yes. What what has been your experience as an international student? Is there anything specific you can share for other international students?
0: being an international student is difficult. The thing is that nothing is impossible. It is definitely difficult being an international student, but if you plan properly, if you get the right network and right people, you will be able to do whatever you want to do. So for example, even to be at the Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, I had to renew my CPT every semester. So every semester, that was the same process. I had to find my boss and I had to find the DSO, the executive officer, and then everybody had to sign here, get my new I-20 every semester, then go to like MSKCC. They had to approve it again for every semester. And then towards the end of it, when you're a PhD student, you generally don't know when you're graduating, when when you're submitting. So you have to be extra meticulous about planning because to start working, you have to have an OPT card in your hand. Or the company has to be flexible with you working on a CPT. You cannot work on a CPT for full time if you've already used up your CPT. There are like many loops you have to jump through bureaucracy to be able to start working it's the same thing in Europe as well if you want to get there like their bureaucracy is also difficult and that's just the first part right and then once you join it's not going to be easy because if somebody is not international student they can just say hey I don't like this job and I can quit But now when you're, like, with a company, you cannot say that because your visa is dependent on your employer. So there are, like, so many more things that an international student has to be aware of before getting into this job search. But you can do it. Planning, planning, planning. Mm -hmm. That is what will get you across. So
1: what are your future prospects? Do you ever think you'll return to academia? Just in general, what do you think
0: you see yourself doing, for example, in the next few years? Consulting... As it is, it is generally not a job in itself. It is a doorway to multiple jobs. It depends on where I want to take it in the future. You'll also like hear from various other firms that they they always say, oh, whoever went to here have become a CEO, CSO. Consulting is generally like a door opener. Like it'll open doors to various opportunities than just being an opportunity in itself. I can grow organically within the firm. Consulting is such a job that people, there's a constant turnover. People try this for like four or five years or two or three years, like depending on which firm you are, our our firm is known to have longer turnover rates. After After two to five years, that's when people start thinking about where to go if you're in life sciences generally you end up in a pharma company where you are trying to run one of the specific functions i have known people who have started their own startups some people who have gone back to research as scientists so there are multiple things that i know people have done it is one thing you should try final question do you see yourself ever doing research again (laughs) (laughs)
1: you mentioned that some people do get into research Uh, some people do get
0: into research there is quite a possibility that i might be involved with research not exactly as doing bench work but every part of research requires somebody to plan everything right so it is quite possible like you might see me in one of the clinical trials in the future I might not be running a trial, but I might be doing something. Science research is not just doing bench research. We all all have to get it. Like running a research lab, being involved with a trial, getting logistics done for a company. They all are a part of research as
1: well. So in summary, a lot of the skills from your PhD, maybe not exactly scientific skills, but definitely critical thinking, preparing presentations, presenting your data, all of these factors kind of came into play and will probably continue to come into play in your career in the future. As far as looking for a job, planning
0: was a very important factor, and networking, especially as an international student. I think you have summed up in a very good way, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) it it was nice having a chat with you. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up our interview. Perfect.